Hello and welcome to The Conscious Capitalists, hosted by two of the co-founders of the Conscious Capitalism Movement and co-authors of the Conscious Capitalism Field Guide from Harvard Business Press, Raj Sisodia and Timothy Henry. Each week, this podcast covers current events and business news and Raj and Timothy's latest thinking on what it takes to build a conscious business. For more information and notes from the show, go to www.theconsciouscapitalists.com. And now, Raj and Timothy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Conscious Capitalism podcast number three, where Raj and I dive a little deeper on what we mean by purpose and the importance of purpose in business. Hi there, Raj. How are you? Hi, Timothy. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. Um, Last time we talked about purpose, and um, I think one of the questions that's come back is, um, how do you know you have a good purpose? Like, we described it at some levels in terms of impact. We talked about some levels in terms of the platonic ideal of the good, the true, the beautiful, and uh, the heroic. Um, but if you were to build on that a little further and sort of say, you know, is there anything else that, that people ought to be thinking about in terms of do we have a good purpose? Yeah, so I have over the years uh, developed um, an acronym as I thought about what are the qualities of a compelling, uh, powerful purpose. And it ultimately gelled into this word healing. Mm. Right? That the great purpose is ultimately a healing purpose. And first, let me talk about what it stands for, right? What are the, uh, uh, the different qualities that are embedded in there? So healing stands for heroic, uh, first of all. So a great purpose is heroic in the sense that it is trying to do something worth doing and it's not a trivial thing to do. It's not easy. Right? Mm. Uh, so given the scale of the company, you know, it's heroic, you know, it could be something that's, you know, you have to stretch to get there. If you're a larger company, the definition of heroic changes, of course, and you almost can change the world, right? Uh, so it has to match, but again, at every point in time, it remains heroic. So it evolves. Well, I recall John Mackey bringing it up when we were talking about the platonic thing. He said, well, you know, I think that the mission or the purpose of Whole Foods is heroic. We're trying to change right. how people think about food. That's right. And when you do that, you change everything. You change the healthcare system because that impacts our health. You, you change a lot of things. You change our soil. You know, you change our food production. Lots of, lots of things happen. So it's heroic. But then connected to that, it's evolving. Mm. It evolves as we evolve as a company, as the needs of the world and the, the, what, are, what are the imperatives out there change. Our purpose can also evolve. So purpose is not a fixed thing forever. You know, it grows. It's an organic thing. Uh, so that's he, uh, heroic, evolving, and it's aligning. <clears throat> I think one of the most powerful impacts of a purpose is that it aligns all of the stakeholders together. Because when you don't have a shared purpose, then you are literally at cross purposes. What's the default purpose of a business? Maximizing profits, right? Uh, therefore, an employee of that kind of a business will say, okay, I need to look out for myself. I need to maximize my profits, right? What does that mean? I need to get paid as much as I can and I need to work as little as possible. <laughs> Customers say I need to uh, maximize my profits, which means get the lowest price every time. I have no loyalty to any company. I just become very transaction oriented. Suppliers say I want to maximize my margins, right? Cut corners where I can, charge them as much as I can. Society says I'm going to tax you as much as possible because everybody else is maximizing their profits from this business. Why should we not? Yeah. Everybody becomes a taker from the system, right? 
And in any interconnected, interdependent living system, if every part of it is just sucking out from the whole, ultimately that system will bleed to death. It'll die, mm. right? Whereas when you have shared purpose and shared values, everybody becomes a giver to that system. Customers say, I want Whole Foods to succeed. Employees, you know, everybody, investors, everybody cares about the flourishing of that entity, right? And we say in order to win, 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 we have to give, give, give. And of course, there's sort of a spiritual principle. The more we give, the more we receive. Mm. Right? But we're, if we're all about taking, you know, then ultimately we're going to destroy the thing. So aligning all stakeholders together is one of the most impactful. I, I think that is so important when you start to, to look at one of the powers of purpose. You know, often we focus on it in terms of customers and the, the brand promise and, you know, customers being attracted to, to brands with purpose. And we know that there's good um, evidence that, that that actually is important. If you have a right. brand purpose that's well stated and you follow up with delivery of that product or service, right. there's a real right. benefit there. We know that it's important internally because we know the great places to work and those kinds of uh, what we call conscious cultures you know, really do create a level of motivation and performance that are higher. But I love this third aspect of the stakeholder and the alignment of the stakeholders around a sort of a right. true north. So it aligns, yeah, so it, it glues us together because we all care about the same thing, right? And it points us in the direction, right? So it gives us a beacon, the North, uh, north Star to aim towards. Uh, the fourth is loving, the fourth quality. A great purpose, true, uh, compelling purpose is, is rooted in love and care. It's rooted in our goodwill towards other human beings and wanting to elevate their lives. Right? That's a mm. fundamental drive. It's not rooted in fear. It's not rooted in ego. Right? It's not rooted in power, you know, dynamics, yeah. Yeah. and all of that. Right? It's loving. And then it's inspiring. Ah. Right? It, really, it really does motivate people in a deep way. So, wow, it's not, I don't have a job. I've got work to do in the world. This is, this is my you know, impact that this is my legacy. This is the impact that I'm going to have, you know, uh, after I'm gone. Uh, and then natural, it is natural. In other words, that purpose makes sense for this company to be doing. It's natural. It's a fit for them, right? It's not out of left field to say, so, you know, we're about curing world hunger, even though we're, you know, we're running a, a bus company here. Uh, so it's natural, but also it's in harmony with nature. Mm. We are not going against nature, right? We are in harmony with nature and working with nature. And then the last is galvanizing. It moves us to action. There's a sense of urgency, as Martin Luther King said, there's a fierce urgency of now. You know, it's later than we realize in the world in so many dimensions. And whatever our purpose is, it has to have that sense of urgency to it. So those are the qualities of a great purpose. I love that. And you know, it's interesting because I think that you've articulated in a very beautiful way um, why purpose matters or means things. You know, I think that, that when you bring that up about the power of purpose with people, I think that um, that's the other thing that, that you're, you're so right about. Can you make purpose matter inside the business? So if I was going to add a fifth category, I would add it there and sort of say, you know, do we make purpose matter within the business? And, and, and what does that mean? Well, for me, it means a couple things. One, it means that um, we've made it relevant to people. That is, you know, at some level, uh, they can understand how their day-to-day -day role in the business connects to the purpose of the business. 
I think the, the second element is that there's, it's meaningful. I mean, they can absolutely see how for the business we're in, this is purpose is a good fit. So is it meaningful? Is it relevant to me? And then the third one I would put in, is it credible? Do I, as an employee at whatever level I am, or as a team member, do I see the senior leadership in the organization walk the talk on purpose? Are they, are they walking the talk? Are they communicating clearly about the purpose regularly? And are we making decisions inside the business based on, on that? So that would be my, my fifth pillar, so to speak, yeah. of yeah. purpose. And, um, and I think when you pull all of those together, you look for a meaningful purpose um, that's then articulated well in terms of, uh, of meaning, relevance, and credibility. Uh, you're starting to get traction inside the business. And then there's the, the reverent skeptics out there who are like, well, that's a really interesting idea. And I think that that's the, what we've sometimes called, I think, the paradox of profit is that um, despite these ideas seeming at one level to be idealistic, at another level, they're very practical in the sense that there are clear economic benefits to companies that are um, uh, you know, highly profitable. I remember that was part of the whole conscious capitalism movement starting was what is interesting about these companies that are high performers or in firms of endearment? What really got you interested in um, what eventually was what, a, a 7x level of performance um, that existed? Well, it was 9x in the original uh, sample of 28 companies, of which 18 were public. So we have the data on their financial performance in, in terms of uh, returns to investors was nine times over a 10-year period. And important to point out that we didn't select those companies based on performance and then looked at what they did. We selected companies based on what they did Mm. Right, They had this sense of purpose, they cared for and loved all their stakeholders and they had leaders who cared about the people and the purpose and they had cultures that were rooted in trust and caring. And then once we had a list that we had companies that solidly fit uh, in, those, uh, in those categories, then we said, okay, how do they do financially? Mm -hmm. And we weren't really expecting to be blown away by that. We said, you know, these companies are not profit maximizers. They are actually trying to take care of their people and they're trying to achieve a purpose in the world. So they're not resolutely focused on this one thing. And our, our mental model is that if you want something, you resolutely go after that thing, right? But profit like happiness is one of those things that is best pursued obliquely. I think Alan Kay said that once, right? You pursue certain things obliquely. There are things that you do, like Viktor Frankl said, happiness ensues. It is the outcome, right? So what we found, we expected they're paying their people better, in some cases double, Right, like Costco or Walmart, they're providing much better benefits, they're investing in the environment and their communities, uh, they're paying their suppliers well, they're paying taxes at a higher rate, so maybe there's less left over at the end of the day. And what we found was that they dramatically outperformed. And that led us to go back and say, well, how do we explain that? I mean, they're not printing money in the basement, right? <laughs> so what's going on here? And then you, if you think about it, it's very logical. You've got employee engagement in these companies in 70, 80, 90% in many cases, where the average globally is, is I think, 18% or 15%, right? You've got customer loyalty that's bordering on fanatic uh, without a marketing budget, right? Yeah. Right? Well, I always thought that was so interesting. I remember when you first brought that up and you said, and we talked with, with John Mackey at Whole Foods and sort of said, what's the marketing budget, the advertising budget for Whole Foods? <laughs> 
what is it for Albertsons? Yeah. You know, seven, yeah. eight percent. And it was like, well, if you're not paying more than one percent for your marketing budget, and you're paying eight percent. You know, you're you're immediately, you know, that that money goes immediately to the bottom line in a sense. Yeah, Whole Foods was ninety percent below the industry average at that time in marketing. They didn't have a chief marketing officer. They didn't have an ad agency. All of that, right? So, yeah. you save money in areas where it doesn't add value. Employee turnover, you know, lots of sales and promotions and ad campaigns and so forth, uh, which are not necessary in in all cases. Right? And often you don't. I mean, there's overkill on that side. People are trying to buy trust and loyalty. You can't. You have to earn it, right? So you save money in those areas, and you actually spend money where it actually makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Providing benefits, providing better pay, you know, paying your suppliers so they can be actually innovative and profitable, and you know, and investing in communities and so. Well, we've we've really seen that during the coronavirus. You know, in a sense, when you get into uh, companies that are really living their purpose, and some of them are looking out there and sort of saying, "Okay, um, what is happening with our suppliers?" and um, and, and how have we lived our purpose now? How we've lived it with our with our people? Do our people feel that we've been consistent um, with our purpose, or are we really discovering that the first cost the first cost they cut is people? Right. Have they tried to be more creative and say, "Listen, um, we're going to try to delay layoffs as long as we can. We'll take." pay cuts, but we're all going to be in this together and look for ways in which we can save money and lower costs so we save everybody's job. Um, but that takes, you know, that people are aligned and believe that the purpose is something, as you said, that aligns and binds right. on some level. Yeah. And, uh, and now we start to see, you know, what was it uh, Warren Buffett said, when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked. Right, <laughs> you know? that's right. Uh, right now, we're, we're seeing a lot of like, okay, well, it's really interesting. How does Southwest Airlines respond versus how does British Airways respond in terms mm -hmm. of, yeah, we're going to lay off a third of our staff. We're not going to, uh, you know, pay them extra for, um, for working in trying times, uh, et cetera. And you know, we've seen yes. that in a, in a number of different cases. You know, I've seen one company where they've turned around and sort of said, listen, we recognize that our small suppliers are going to really be hurting uh, during this period. So uh, we're going to accelerate our payments to our suppliers. So rather than the regular 30 days, we'll try to get money to you and maybe even look at some loans in advance right. Uh, right. for future work and keep the smaller suppliers um able to survive uh, over the longer term. So again, the, the, the coronavirus time has been a really interesting time in terms of uh, testing uh, yeah. whether these purposes are, are real and how people are trying to deal with them. What's your favorite example right now from what's going on coronavirus, companies that you've seen that you really think have done a great job? Well, I think Southwest Airlines is a good example because um, you know part of caring about your purpose and the people is building a resilient enterprise that can survive these kinds of downturns. And Southwest Airlines, unlike uh, American Delta and United, did that. Uh, you know, those companies used most of their profits in the last decade to buy back their own shares and uh, pay our dividends and, and borrowed heavily in order to do that in addition to their own profits. And as a result, their balance sheets are incredibly weak, which means when, when the market turns down in this way, 
they can't survive more than a few weeks without a government bailout. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. they would be in bankruptcy. Whereas Southwest Airlines didn't do that. Right? They built a, so part of, I think, this idea of being a conscious, purposeful business, which puts people at the center, is building a business that can endure and survive uh, these kinds of uh, situations. Mm. Well, you know, I think it's also really interesting as we look forward, um, you know, what's the role of the board of directors in, in, um, in guiding a business in this space? Because, you know, at some point, the board has to be able to say, we're on board with this purpose and therefore we're aligned around this. Yeah, um, yeah that's very important. Uh, and as we look forward, you know, one of the things that I'm pushing for is that um, it's on my wish list that if you said, you know, like, how do we, you know, you could hope the board gets involved or you could start to put pressure on boards, just like they're feeling right now with ESG, that they've got to say something about board, about what our purpose is. And for me, there's sort of three grades to that. The first grade is that the board, just with their annual report, there's a purpose statement, you know, uh, let's just meet Larry Fink's minimum <laughs> standard around purpose and state we have one and that the board every year puts in a statement, this is our purpose. The second level would be, and then they put in a paragraph or two about how they're living the purpose, you know, so this is how we're manifesting it. So not only do we have this purpose, but we're living it and we're going to have a little, at least a narrative or commentary on it. And then ultimately be able to describe what is the impact and start reporting on some metrics and targets that we've actually set out there for the corporation. And we, as your stewards, as your trustees, are ensuring that the organization, not only is purpose statement, not only is trying to live it, but is actually living it in a measurable, impactful way. And, and I think there has to be intrinsic motivation on the part of the board members as well. It's mm. not just a, you know, a check off or, you know, responding to pressures that they're feeling. But everybody there lit, uh, must care about that purpose at some visceral level. Mm. Right? Otherwise, I think what happens in many companies, you have a CEO and they, they do the whole purpose thing. And then the board says, okay, okay, that's fine. As long as the numbers are, are good. <laughs> and then next thing you know, they replace that CEO with, a, with somebody who's better at delivering numbers and the purpose is out the window. Right, so it has to it has to actually be deeply embedded in the psyches of the board members. We need to actually recruit board members who are purposeful and care about what this company is is doing. Well, of course, the irony is that when the board is or does have a majority of people like that, the criteria for hiring the next CEO becomes pretty clear. You know, uh, are they aligned around purpose? And you know, there may be a lot of other great skills they have, but are they fit for purpose within this business? So it, it's quite interesting in terms of that dynamic between the board and getting enough members on the board who believe this to get the board to swing to a place where that becomes one, an important topic that the board is talking about on a regular basis. And then two, when they look for the, the next CEO, that's one of the critical criteria. Um, and then that leads to, you know, what was one of the, the core questions within our whole conscious capitalism movement, which is how do we change the narrative around business? Because what we're really talking about is what kind of board members do we have who feel that it's important for them 
to have a narrative or to describe the business in terms of its purpose and being proud of the fact they're on a, on a board of a company that has a strong purpose. Yeah, that's, that's all our movement is all about, to create more purposeful healing organizations. There. Well, thanks, Raj, as always, for your time. And thank you, everybody, for listening in. Again, any thoughts, comments, feedback, uh, go to theconsciouscapitalists.com. That's theconsciouscapitalists.com. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Raj. Thank you, Timothy. See you soon.